1: scriptures today in 1st John, this is exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling us. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling us through the Apostle John. The Lord, if you follow what I'm saying, holds out to us the golden scepter and invites us to ask whatever we wish. He not only invites us, but scripture says, as I said, we are to boldly come and ask. And then not only are we promised to be welcomed, but we're also promised to have confidence that He will
0: hear us. In today's message, Pastor Dave speaks more about blessed assurances, one of them being the ability to not only go to the Lord with a request, but to do it boldly. And the best part is that we're told that He listens and that He will give you what you want as long as it's in accordance with His will. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John Chapter 5 as he continues his message, Blessed Assurance.
1: We are continuing ever getting closer to the end of 1 John, and we have basically three more studies in 1 John, counting today's. We are in chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. If you have your Bibles, please open them to chapter 5 in the book of 1 John. Looking at specifically 14 and 15, um, we are in a small mini-series as we close out First John called Blessed Assurance. John is giving us assurance of the things that we know, so that we as Christians can say, we know that we know and have confidence in the things that John has said. This is part three of that series, and it's Confidence in Prayer. This morning, confidence in prayer. If you found your way to 1 John 5, I'll read aloud verses 14 and 15. If you'll read along silently, please. 1 John 5, verse 14, John writes, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Shall we pray? Father, as we now come to your word, we ask, Lord, that you would settle our hearts. Other God, that you would open up our hearts to receive what you have in store for us this morning, that we might learn more of prayer and the importance of this beautiful gift, this beautiful privilege that you've given us, that we can come boldly before your throne and petition you a great and awesome God, knowing with confidence that you'll hear us and that you will answer all things according to your purpose. So, Lord, we thank you for this time we had. We are blessed to be able to worship you. We're blessed to have our friends from Family Promise back. We're blessed, Lord, to be here with this capacity. And now, Lord, overwhelm us with your spirit. Guide us and lead us through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to begin this morning by sharing a Old Testament story with you, if I could. This story that I'm going to share with you this morning is the story of a humble Jewish girl who became a queen. You know her. Her name's Esther. The book of Esther is a great adventure story. It happens in post-exile Jewishism, Judaism, excuse me. It talks about the Jews that stayed behind after the Babylonian captivity. And then Babylonian was, Babylon, excuse me, was eventually conquered by Persia. But this story tells of the providential hand of God and this girl whose name was Hadassah and later changed to Esther and how she becomes queen. She becomes queen of the, basically the world ruler and was in the right position at the right time to rescue her people from an evil plot to bring about their destruction. The scene I want to draw your attention to this morning as we begin fascinates me. The plot against the Jewish people had been discovered, and it fell upon Esther to go to her royal husband, the king, and inform him of this plot. But even though she was queen, it wasn't possible for her to simply step up to the king and make her request. In fact, this is what she says in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's providences know that any man of the, or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called He has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. Esther, you can see her plight. You can see her trouble, if you will. She was in great distress over this. She knew the plot to destroy her people, and she was upset. She was understandably fearful, thinking about going unannounced to the king. What would happen? So what does she do? Well, in verse 16 of that same chapter, she says to Mordecai, "'Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan, and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day.' My maids and I will fast likewise and so I will go to the king which is against the law and if I perish I perish. Wow. So they prayed and they fasted and it happened on the third day of this fasting and prayer she put on her royal robes and she stands in the inner court of the king's palace directly in eye of the king. The king sat on his throne And he sees Esther standing there from afar. And in chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, this happens. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, "'What do you wish, Queen Esther?' What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. Esther makes her request known to the king. And the full plot to kill all the Jews is revealed. And he takes action on behalf of the Jews. Fascinating story, which we'll come to one of these days as we go through the Bible. Not too far from here. Queen Esther was used mightily by God to save his chosen people from certain destruction. So why did I tell you that? My point is this. If it was such a dreadful thing and risky for Esther to walk into the presence of the mighty king and make her request known, even though he was her husband, how much more awesome is it for us sinners, you and I, To make our way to the throne of God, to present requests to him, a most holy, most righteous, and all-powerful creator of the universe. How could we presume to do such a thing? And yet, in our scriptures today, in 1 John, this is exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling us. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling us through the Apostle John. John. The Lord, if you'll follow what I'm saying, holds out to us the golden scepter and invites us to ask whatever we wish. He not only invites us, but Scripture says, as I said, we are to boldly come and ask. And then, not only are we promised to be welcomed, but we're also promised to have confidence that he will hear us. And then the promises even get more staggering, that he will give us whatever we ask according to his purpose. Think about that. Esther's story reminds us of the great and awesome privilege that this morning's passage just says is ours. The privilege to approach almighty God in prayer and to call upon him in confidence. Wow. As I said earlier, as we come to this last section of the epistle of John, He has been reaffirming for us that which we should know. Those things which we can be sure, and I've called them blessed assurances, and they can only be found one place, in Jesus Christ. They cannot be found anywhere else. John started this whole thing by reminding us of a central fact that is crucial to our belief in Christianity. Jesus is God. Last week, he wanted us to have the assurance of eternal life. And in today's verses, he wants us to have confidence in our prayers. You know, these verses that we're looking at this morning teach us so much about prayer. They remind us that this is the greatest resource available to the Christian. In fact, it's the most powerful resource in all the universe. Because even though we are so pathetically limited in everything we try to do, God himself is wonderfully unlimited. In fact, Scripture says nothing is impossible for him. Nothing. Scripture also tells us that he will do exceedingly abundantly all that we could ever think or ask. Scripture tells us that he's sovereign and whatever he wills to do, It is through our prayers that the almighty God exercises his sovereignty on our behalf. This is mind-boggling. I don't know if you're getting this. I don't know if you're even grasping what is being said here today. But this is mind-boggling to me. Of course, it doesn't take much to boggle this mind. But God touches us with his golden scepter, Jesus Christ. And we draw upon the resource of his limitless power. It's always true that the most effective and um, revelant thing that we can do in any situation, pray. The Bible says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I know that no other activity that the Bible holds before us with such a promise. There is no other activity where the Bible holds this kind of promise. It doesn't care if you're rich or if you're poor, if you're educated or not educated. If you're powerful or not powerful, the only thing that is needed is that you stand before God in righteousness through Jesus Christ and pray fervently in simple faith with all expectancy. God himself will see to it that that person and his prayer will avail much. Prayer is simply talking to God. But as simple as it is, I want to repeat that it is the most awesome and powerful act that we can ever perform in our human body. Look through the Bible. Read the word of God and find all these men and women of great prayer. Joshua prayed and the sun stood still. Daniel prayed night and day. Three times a day he would pray. Even against the king's wishes, He would set up time to pray. David, the mighty warrior and bearer, also was one of prayer. In fact, he journaled his prayers, and they're given to us. They're called the Book of Psalms. Elijah, described as a man with like nature. He had like nature with us. What did he do? Lord, let it stop raining, or no more rain. It didn't rain. Lord, let it rain, and it rained. New Testament, one of the four pillars of the early church, prayer. Four pillars of the early church was prayer. And when they prayed with expectant hearts, incredible things happened. The Apostle Paul was in constant prayer, praying without ceasing. These are great examples for us. And of course, there's no greater example than Jesus himself, who constantly pulled away from the crowd to pray. To the Father. In fact, He even taught His disciples to pray. Of all the things the disciples could ask for, of all the things the disciples could want, what did they say? Jesus, teach us to pray. You know, prayer is not just a weapon for battle either. If you read through the scriptures, think of all the healings that occurred in scripture. Think of all the dead that were raised. Think of how many times the lion's mouth were closed or provisions will be made, all with a result of prayer. I might say that Esther had an audience with the king because of prayer. There is no greater resource available to humans than prayer, and that's a God-revealed fact to us through the word. So my question is today, why don't we pray more? Why is it that almost everywhere you go, the least attended thing of the church is the prayer meeting why is it that some profession Christians barely pray at all why is it that we often think about prayer until our head hits the pillow and then we're so far out of whack that we just fall asleep why does prayer seem like the last resort and we have a saying around here we always get each other somebody says we gotta pray and we'll go has it come to that You know, in our verses this morning, John wants us to have confidence in our prayers. He wants us to be confident when we pray. So he says in 14 verse A, now this is the confidence that we have in him. But in order to have this confidence, if you will, we have to meet certain conditions. And I read this throughout the Bible. The first condition is found in verse 13. These things I've written to you that you to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. This is the first condition that has to be met for God to hear prayers, the born-again experience. If you're born again of the Spirit, believing in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, if you've accepted his sacrifice on the cross and believe that God raised him on the third day, you're now a child of God and have been given eternal life. This gives you confidence when you pray. In fact, I think the prayer, the, the prayer that will be heard by the unsaved is, Lord, save me. That's the prayer that's going to be heard. In addition, John says this in 1 John thirty-three, uh, twenty-one 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So he says, our heart condemned us. How does our heart condemn us? Well, there's a lot of ways our heart can condemn us all all the way through scriptures. And I've, I've tagged some of them and I'm going to try to find them if I can. In Psalm 66, in Psalm 66, verse 18, in Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, Aha! Snuck up on me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. 1 Peter 3 7. 1 Peter 3 7 says this. Husbands, Likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Jesus says in John 15, verse 7, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what your desire and it shall be done for you. So there's conditions on prayer. There's conditions. Now, I'm not saying we're going to walk around sinless because we're all going to sin and fall short of the glory of God. But we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And in him, we can come to the Father with all diligence and all confidence. Because John continues and says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and this is the huge condition that he lays on us. When James was talking about prayer, what did he say in James 4? You have not because you ask not. But when you ask, you ask amiss. You ask for personal gain. You ask for personal reasons. See, some have an idea that god is some kind of genie in a bible in a in a bio. bottle bottle no he's not he doesn't grant us three wishes And the prayer is to get God's will done. Even Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples to pray, say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I have this confidence in prayer that if I ask according to his will, he hears me. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's great, Dave. That's really good about praying, but if the only thing I ask for is what God wanted to do, why do I have to ask? Why do I have to pray? If my prayers can only be answered according to his will, then why bother praying? That's a very good question. And I've wondered often what the answer might be, but the conclusion I've come to is that it touches on the most fundamental mistakes we can make in the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer that we think in our spiritual immaturity is we want to change God to our thinking. So if I pray real hard, God is going to change to my thinking. That's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to change you to God's thinking. I'll repeat that. The purpose of prayer to change you into what God is thinking, into what God wants. Not only must we be in God's will, but our whole purpose must be to seek his will. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1.11, he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And so our asking must be in conformity with the way he works all things. We have to be careful, just like James said, and not ask amiss. Many of us say, not your will, Lord, my will. I want this, and I should have it. I found in my life that when our prayers line up with the will of God, incredible things happen incredible things happen. And it's interesting that God does not need us to pray to make him to do anything. He doesn't even need us to pray as a way of getting information from us on what's going on in the world. The Bible tells us that God is in need of desperate information. He doesn't need that from you. Could we ever be so arrogant to think that we know enough about the situations that we're going to give God advice? In fact, in Psalm 139.4 nine four says there's not a word on our tongue that God doesn't know it already. He knows your prayers before you utter them. He knows your needs perfectly even before you speak them. One thing I found about prayer, you can be sure that after you pray, God's not going to say, thank you very much, I didn't know that. <laughs> prayer conforms us to God's will so that his power can freely then work through us. When we're praying in God's will, we have confidence. We have confidence that he hears us. Read through the Psalms. How many times does David begin his psalm? Lord, hear my prayer. Lord, attend unto my prayer. Lord, give ear to my prayer. Lord, your servant cries out to you. Please hear me. When we pray in God's will, we have the confidence, John says, that God hears. You are a sure hope.
0: Our time with you has come to an end today on A Sure Hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 1 John. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May, for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more information. Perhaps you prefer email. If so, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for a link on our website at com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of First John. We look forward to the next time as Pastor Dave will share more things that God has put on his heart from this New Testament letter. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and be reminded of God and that He is a sure hope.